All right, this morning, let's go to 1 Samuel 15. 1 Samuel 15, and I'll give you a couple minutes to find that and get there. And uh, today, my title is Obedience. Everybody say obedience. Obedience. Success spiritually is long, simple obedience in the same direction. As believers, we love the spectacular, don't we? we? When I say simple, today I want to paint you a picture of somebody who just understands that most of your spiritual successes will come out of one simple thing, and it's found in, in the book of the Gospel of John where it says, Mary told the servants, do whatever Jesus says. Amen? If we could just grasp that we like the spectacular, we like the big conference, we like the big word spoken over us, we like the big victory, the big thing happening, but a lot of your spiritual success will come in the very mundane, everyday aspects of just being obedient to what God is telling us to do. The being in our lives precedes the doing because we understand the gospel is that Jesus has provided everything we need in order for us to grow into everything that God has desired and designed us to become. So my title today is actually Long Obedience in the Same Direction. Long Obedience in the Same Direction. My success spiritually that I have been able to have in my life, number one, it's because of His grace and mercy, amen? Number two, it's understanding that a lot of times we think uh, to give 2024, for instance, a lot of times we think that we, we overestimate what we can accomplish in a year and underestimate what we can accomplish in 10 years. And I want to talk today about that long, slow obedience, that long, slow getting with God in his word and in prayer and other areas today. So my, t- my title today is Long Obedience in the Same Direction. And let me give you a little back, bit of background on 1 Samuel 15 today. God commands Saul, the king of Israel at the time, he says, Saul, I want you to go and to destroy the Amalekites. The Amalekites were a group of people that Israel was at war with and fighting with. And he gathers 210,000 soldiers And he gathers them up and he sets out to conquer an area called Gilgal. Gilgal was an area that was under the rule of the Amalekites. But here's where the plot twist is. Here's where the story takes a turn. Instead of doing what God said to do, Saul decides to leave the king of the Amalekites, King Agag. And King Agag, and he decides to leave him alive. And he takes the oxen and the sheep, so the cows and the sheep, the choicest ones that they had... He's bringing them back into the camp of Israel at this time. So now what did God say to do? God said to destroy the Amalekites completely. That was what God said. So Saul gathers his troops, goes into Gilgal, and he comes back with King Agag. He comes back with with sheep and oxen and cows. And basically God said, you haven't done everything that I told you to do. So Samuel gets woken up by God, and Samuel is sent by God to tell King Saul, you didn't obey. You didn't do exactly what I told you to do. And I'm sure as Samuel is walking up to this scene to confront King Saul, he can hear the low bleeding of the sheep and the lowing of the cows. So you had bah, moo, bah, moo, as he's walking up to confront King Saul 
in not being obedient to do what God said to do. And I find it very interesting in the scripture that it says, Saul replies back to Samuel and says, well, the people wanted me to do this. It was the people who wanted to bring the sheep and the people who wanted to bring the oxen. It was their idea to do this. And listen to me this morning. If you are more concerned about what people think than you are about what God says and thinks, then you're going to get yourself into trouble because we are to hearken to the voice of the Lord. We are to obey his commands. We are to obey the scriptures that he lays out very plainly in front of us. Because oftentimes we're more concerned about being popular with people than we are with walking in the power of God. And I see in this scripture we're about to read, I see a tremendous amount of pride in Saul. Because again, we're oftentimes looking for the big spectacular thing with God. When when God really only requires us to be obedient in the little things that lead up to the spectacular things. But even in the spectacular things, the, the, the times of the answered prayer, the times where God seems to really come through, the times where we see this big thing break out and happen in our lives, whatever you're seeking Him for, whatever you're trying to grow in and, and to receive from God during this 21-day fast, we love the big and spectacular. But oftentimes, church, it's the long obedience and the simple over a long period of time that will amount to your greatest spiritual successes. Because I see pride in this because I think that Saul wanted to prove to everybody as he's marching back in with all these soldiers, over 200,000 soldiers, he's marching back in with King Agag probably in chains, and he's parading his victory in front of the people who went with him and the people who are now cheering and they're all, they're all excited and they're all like, yes, look, look, look at the victory that God gave. Because if you're more swayed by what people in your life are saying rather than obeying God's word to do, you're going to get in trouble. Amen? Amen. We aren't called to listen to people. We're called to listen and obey God. If you're the most popular person around, I'd maybe check my walk with the Lord. Because we're living in a time and a season where it is not popular. You are now countercultural by being a Christian sitting here today. Do you understand that? There's nothing more countercultural than obeying the word that was written thousands of years ago and believing in a God that you can't see. I came to tell you this morning, you're already strange. You might as well go all the way. Amen. To the world, you are peculiar. Yes. To the world, you are, you're somebody that would look at and say, wow, you really still believe it? Yes, I believe it. And I look into the Word of God and I understand the, 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 the maturity that God has brought into my life is just being faithful in the simple. Bottom line here, Saul didn't do what God told him to do. God's not happy with that. He wakes Samuel up and he says, Samuel, I want you to go and talk to Saul and confront him about not doing what I said to do. And we'll pick up here in verse 8 or verse 20 of 1 Samuel 15. Look down here at verse 20. 1 Samuel 15, verse 20, the word of the Lord. And Saul said to Samuel, But I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me and brought back Agag, king of the Amalek. I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. Stop and look back this way. Isn't that amazing right there? (laughs) I've utterly destroyed the Amalekites. Oh, but the king that's beside me in chains, not him. But the people... But the people... 
took of the plunder, sheep and oxen, the best of the things which should have been utterly destroyed, to sacrifice to the Lord. I want you to notice this right here. The Lord, your God, in Gilgal. At what point did the Lord my God become the Lord your God? When we're convicted, confronted, and busted, isn't it easy to begin to look at other people and say, well, yeah, you believe that way, I'll just go ahead and believe my way. Listen, we're living in a culture where nobody understands that there is something called God's truth. And it's not subjective. God's truth is objective. And if you don't understand the simplicity of objective truth, let me explain it this way in a very short, precise way. And I'm getting off track here a little bit, but I felt this morning as I was reading over this again and again, this will help somebody in here. Because when I begin to talk about obedience, when I begin to talk about doing what the Lord has said to do completely, not halfway, not three-quarter, But to simply obey what he's telling us to do, oftentimes we look at other people and say, well, yeah, if you want to live a holy life, if you want to live a life like that, that's fine. But that's your God. Let me talk to you about the Lord, my God. But God has objective truth. In other words, God's truth does not change just because culture says that it's different than what we think. Objective truth is, that's pink, isn't it, Miss Deanne? The pink shirt? We could all say, how many agree that Deanne's wearing a pink shirt just for the sake of not being able to see her? She's wearing pink, amen? Now, an objective truth is we can all agree and say, that's a pink shirt. Subjective truth is pink is the most wonderful color that has ever been created. Do you begin to see? The truth in this story is he gets off track because he felt like that he could make a decision to not completely do what God told him to do. Verse 22, so Samuel said, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. Father, for these next few moments and minutes as we delve into your word, I pray it would bring heart change today. I, bring it, I pray it would challenge this congregation as it has challenged me in my life the last few days of just identifying areas in my life where I've acted like King Saul, where I've made excuses, Lord, for the things that I've said or done. Lord, take away our excuses today and let us hear what your spirit says to the church here at Christian Center Church today. For those who are assembled, those who are online, we ask that you bless the word. Anything said of me would fall by the wayside, but whatever said, under the unction of the Holy Spirit. Lord, let it go into the hearts of these precious, wonderful, godly people and let it grow fruit today. Amen? Amen. In Jesus' holy name. And I've heard wonderful topic sermons on the topic of sacrifice. Sacrifice certainly fits into our place in, with God and in our walk with God and in our Christian growth. That we are to give of ourselves, that we're to be those who sacrifice and give. But... There's something in God's eyes that's even greater than the big sacrifice in that simple obedience. There's something in God's eyes that's greater than, than, than the big spectacular thing that we may want to do for God. We say to God, God, I'm going to fast for 21 days. God, I'm going to get up early and I'm going to pray every single morning. I'm going to do this. I'm going to give that. 
Lord, I'm going to go to the mission field. But there's something greater than sacrifice according to the scripture. There's something greater because it's called obedience. Everybody say obedience. Obedience. Just simply obeying what God has clearly said in his word to do. Success spiritually is long obedience in the same direction. Success spiritually is long obedience in the same directions. As believers, we love the spectacular. Maybe going to that big conference and getting that word spoken over us or, or that big job promotion or the big healing or the big encounter with God. But point number one today, if you're taking notes, is this. In God's eyes, obedience to the simple outweighs the sacrifice of the spectacular. Obedience to the simple outweighs the sacrifice of the spectacular. And for me, growing up in high school, I was really, really good at gym and woodshop <laughs> and math and social studies and science weren't exactly my best subjects. I didn't do very well at those. The fun part of school, I had down very well. The academic side of school, maybe not so much. And I can, I'll never forget going to the teachers, and I'd go up to the teacher, and I'd say, you know, I know I've missed 21 days, and I know I, I, I flunked two of the four tests, but do you have any of that extra credit? How many teachers? we got a few teachers here. You can't stand students like me. I know you all can. You're like... And I always loved that moment in class when the teacher, and there would be a hush come over the room, and the teacher would say, who's done extra credit? And man, I was so ready to, see, I wasn't doing extra credit because I wanted extra credit. I was trying to pass the class. Do you understand? My mom's a math teacher. She would get excited when her boy came home with a C in math. That was an exciting day in the Hanks household. It was clap and cheer and Good job if I was able to get up there and pass those. And usually I would miss school because I was running around the woods with a 22 and a basset hound is what I was doing. <laughs> so I majored in fun in high school. Kids, young people, you end up as a pastor if you major in fun in high school. <laughs> Maybe. And I can remember the teacher saying, okay, who's done extra credit? And I was so proud to shoot that hand up. This hush would come over the whole room and I'd march that extra credit, the report, <laughs> The, the project, whatever it was, and I'd lay it on the desk of the teacher, and everybody's like, good job, patting me on the back. Yes, good job, good job, yay, yay. They didn't know I was doing it just to get a 70 to pass. <laughs> Is it even 70 anymore to, to pass? No, is it like 60 or something? I should know this. I have teenagers. shows you how involved I am in their schooling, which reflects in their lives, by the way. Or, or... I know when my kids want something because they clean their room without ever, ever being told, ever asking them. And I remember I'd clean my room when I was wanting my parents to let me go do something, go on a camp out with my friends. Or, and, man, I'm just waiting for my mom to walk by. I'm just sitting there waiting. Sometimes it'd be 30 minutes. I'm like, come on, walk by. I just want you to see this. And she'd walk by and she'd be excited and I'd get the pat on the back. She'd call my brothers in there, look, Jason cleaned his room, which only happened about once a year. <laughs> and then she's like me now today. I look at my kids. I'm like, what do you want? You, you want something, don't you? Or 
when I was 15, I had my first job as a busboy at a little, uh, I don't know if you guys heard of Bob Evans. I guess there are some around here. I was a busboy at Bob's. And I remember my first night of work. My first night of work, I was so excited, and I was going to do such a good job. And they had two sides to the restaurant. You walked in, and back then it was smoking or non-smoking, right? You might remember those days. Okay. And I'll never forget, I had my cart, and I had everything, and, you know, I was cleaning tables. Man, I was, like, buffing those tables. I was taking the chairs and turning them upside down and cleaning them and (laughs) going underneath and getting everything underneath. It's my first day of the job. And I'll never forget, I've watched my manager was standing there where I kept my bus cart. And, man, I'm working, and I'm keeping busy, and I'm doing all this, and I'm thinking, man, I'm doing such a great job. And I'm walking towards him. And I'm, I'm picking out my photo for the employee of the month, <laughs> trying to decide which side of my back I would like for him to pat as I'm walking towards him. And he's got his arms crossed. He had a mustache. He's probably about my age now. And he looked at me, and I'm just ready for just the good attaboy. Just, man, you're doing so good. And he said, he did. He said, you, you did really well. Now go do the other side. I'm like, there's an other side? <laughs> Of this restaurant? You, oh, that's my job? I thought that was the other busboy. No, you're the busboy. <laughs> but see, oftentimes we are looking for the spectacular. We're looking for the extra credit with God. Can I tell you how to get closer to God? Can I tell you how to grow in God? It's simple obedience over a period of time for a period of time that's a long time. Some of you are new Christians. Some of you are new believers. And I want to encourage you, if you have not seen the fruit in your life that you want, it's a natural tendency, much like King Saul, to think that, well, if I just, well, God told me to do this, but, man, I'm going to do a little bit better. I'm really going to wow God. I'm going to capture the king of, of the Amalekites. And, yeah, the people want to bring back the sheep and the... In the, in the oxen and, and the sacrifice to God. And oftentimes we forget that it's really just listening to what God has already told us to do in a long time over a period of time. Amen? Amen. You see, this morning, it's possible to be an extra credit Christian. I'm telling you it is. And instead of just doing the simple things like praying, I want to say this, and it was on my heart as I prayed this morning for my sermon. I want to say this. It's oftentimes we get caught up in something, and and listen to me very closely with what I'm about to say, because I think you could easily misunderstand. And you could leave here and say, well, I'm giving that up. Don't. If you are in a plan reading the Bible through for the entire year, praise God. I encourage you to continue to do that. But I know people that think that that's extra credit with God, and they get to the end of the year, and they've never actually really gotten the Scripture into their life and heart because they're doing it out of a something that's motivating them out of the wrong heart. Are you following me? In other words, when I get to the end of the year, if I've read this whole thing, then I get extra credit with God. I would rather you take a chapter of the Bible, memorize it, live it out your life for a year, because that is what's going to actually change your life in the long run. Listen, get all the words you can, but I would rather, listen, I would rather you spend 15 minutes a day with God, with the Scripture and prayer, Because we forget that prayer has compound interest to it. You say, well, what do you mean by that, Pastor? Prayer has compound interest simply because if you take a dollar January 1st and you begin to put it in the bank every single day, then at the end of the year, 
you are going to have something called compound interest. Now, the big thing, the spectacular thing, is to take your your money and just put it up in your pocket, go to the bank on December 31st of 2024, and put it into the bank, and everybody can say, wow, what a spectacular thing that you just did. The problem with that is you haven't been gaining interest on it during that time. Spending time with God in the simple ways through the Word, through prayer, through worshiping Him, listen to me, it's drawing compound interest in your prayer life. What is compound interest in your prayer life? You don't have to be a foxhole Christian that only begins to cry out to God when something is going wrong in your life. Only when you're getting that x-ray, that's when you begin to pray. Listen, He will be kept in peace whose mind is stayed on Him. And that is something that we are called to do by God in the simple way every single day of our lives. In other words, when you need to make a demand on the Holy Ghost, you've got something in compound interest of prayer already built up on the inside of you. And we are looking at the spectacular when God's just looking for the simple obedience. We're looking for the big thing when God's just saying, listen, don't make it harder than what it needs to be. If you're surrounded by people, they're like, yeah, you know, I read six chapters a day in Greek and Hebrew and... That is wonderful. and That's the kind of people you need to be around. But sometimes we get on ourselves and get heavy on ourselves when God just really required your entire life. And that doesn't mean that when you don't, you miss a couple days that what happens is we just get down on ourselves. And so then we're looking for the big extra credit with God. God will come to church twice a week now. That's wonderful. But just do the little things, and the little things will add up to the big things. Remember what the text says, obedience in the small everyday to God in the small and seemingly insignificant areas that we consider insignificant are worth more to God than one big-time sacrifice that we can make. For a Christian, prayer is a required assignment. Reading your word is a required assignment. Spending time together with your brothers and sisters in church, it's a required assignment. But we treat it like extra credit. Amen? We never grow closer, grow closer to God when we just pursue life. It takes deliberate pursuit and attentiveness and deliberate life to apply yourself in growth. Small obedience done over a long period of time will absolutely change your life. We like the extra credit I see in the scripture. We like the extra credit because it gets noticed, doesn't it? That's what I see here. I see some pride in Saul, some insecurity in Saul. Definitely some insecurity. We know this because when they went to anoint him, he was hiding amongst the baggage. He was tall. He, was, he looked like a king. Everything was all set up, and Samuel's going to come anoint him. And he's like, well, where's Saul? They're like, well, he's hiding in the baggage. Does that seem like a king? So he's anointed and the crown's placed on his head and he's responsible for all these people. And we all do this in some form or fashion. We want everybody to see our King Agag. We want to see, we want everybody to see this. Well, I could tell you I, I killed the Amalekites, but let me just show you one. It wasn't what God said to do. Simple obedience. When you and I stand before God in eternity, and as sure as I'm standing here before you, each and every one of us will, He's not going to ask you to show Him your extra credit. 
He's going to judge you based on the assignment that he gave you and was expected of you. That is very good news today. You hearing me? You say, oh, wow, it seems kind of... No, no, that's wonderful news. Because you understand, the years that I sacrificed on the mission field, it, it was what God told me to do. So I didn't get extra credit for that. If you were taking care of your family, if you were doing what you needed, it never failed. It was always amazing when we would bring people on the mission field. We'd have 30 to 50 brand new servant missionaries every single week come in. And when they'd come in, it was like it never failed. Out of that group of 40 or 50, there would always be four or five that felt called to missions. And I was able to very quickly kind of discern what was really going on behind the scenes. Was this something God was really calling them to do? Or did they get that extra credit spirit on them? Because you could go home and serve water out of out your door that God told you to go walk around and give water and just bless people. That gets the same reward as me on the mission field. Because you're obedient to do what God is telling you to do. And in the church, we've never released people and, and, and told people, listen, you just obey God because that is your sacrifice. And it never failed. I'd have these people come and they'd sit down and i usually quickly discern. I'd just say, okay, you know, you want to come on the mission field, tell me about your life and well, I got a, you know, my husband's at home with three kids, and I'm like, well, what do they think about it? She's like, well, if they don't want to come, I'll just come anyway. I remember somebody telling me. I'm like, no, 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 no. No, it's not the way this works. She was looking for the big spectacular extra credit when God just wanted. Listen, I know people that would go to Indy on the mission field and serve, but they can't take care of their family at home. Come on. I know people that will go off for this spectacular. What I want to encourage you today is God is looking much more at just the simple obedience of our hearts than he is thinking that, like me, walking up to the teacher's desk and like, hey, I did that report, I did that extra credit. Simple obedience. Everybody say obedience. obedience. I think of people like Naaman the Syrian. Naaman the Syrian went to the prophet in Israel, and he was actually offended that what the prophet told him to do was so simple. Prophet's like, I don't want your gold. I don't want the money on the camel. I don't want any of that. He finally just tells him, go dip seven times in the, in the river here in Jordan. And one of the captains of his guard, and Naaman the Syrian was, uh, he was, you know, the general. He was over the armies. He was a very, very well-known, very, very high-up person. And the captain of the guard says, if he had told you something difficult to do, you probably would have done it. But since he's telling you something simple, why don't you just go do the simple thing? Just do the expected assignment. Amen? What happens is, this is what happens to all of us, when we get under conviction and our conscience starts bothering us about something in our lives, we start thinking, I've got to do something big to make this up. Amen? This is the problem King Saul had. The Bible says he was giving, given a direct order from God, go utterly destroy the Amalekites and all of their livestock, all of their animals... And to be honest with you, I don't completely understand that. It doesn't make sense to me that he wanted them all destroyed, except for King Agag that Saul brought back. And so God wakes Samuel up and basically says, Saul didn't do what I said. And when Samuel's walking up to the scene, again, he can hear in the distance, my second point is this. Your disobedience to God will always moo or buy at the wrong time. Are you hearing me this morning? 
for a long period of time, I pastored young adults at the church I came from. And I loved that group. I loved the season they were in. I had made so many mistakes during my early 20s. I was a wonderful young adults pastor because I wasn't speaking out of something I, I hadn't done. I was speaking of things I did do. And I would call in. I remember several occasions I'd call in a young man and Leah would deal with the young ladies. And I'd call in a young man. I remember one time in particular. I'm like, hey, I noticed you're – and this was done out of love. you got to be careful that something isn't done out of a spirit of control, but it's done out of a heart of love. Amen. And my heart of love called this one young man in because I noticed he just wasn't coming as much. He seemed to be distracted. He was in college at LSU. And he'd been telling me about this girl he met. And so he'd been telling me, yeah, you know, she's, she's, she's pretty wild. She likes to go out. And I said, well, that's not you. You're obedient to God. So be careful of that. So I started seeing him less and less. And when I called him into the office... I just plain asked him, I said, how's your purity? I didn't even have to, he didn't even have to answer the question. Or maybe, let's paint it in a different light because you're not in that frame of life anymore. I've talked to people where I notice they start to get friendly with somebody that's not their spouse. Maybe they're taking the secretary out for lunch. Well, she's just having some problems. We're going to touch and agree, and and I'm going to help her. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Bah. I know that's a horrible. I know that's a horrible sheep and cow, but I'm doing the best I can. The point number two is this. Have you ever noticed your sheep will always bleed at the wrong time? Just when you're trying to cover everything up, just when Saul's like, oh, here comes Samuel. And oh, everything that I'm right here celebrating and everybody's giving me the pat on the back, I'm doing extra credit for God. God didn't ask for extra credit. He just said to do what he told you to do. Just when you're trying to cover everything up, just when you're trying to hide. See, the reason Saul did what he did is the people put pressure on him. Everybody say people. people. Listen, do you want to be popular or do you want to be powerful? Then if you want to be powerful, then there are times and places where you're just going to have to say no to other people because of what they involve themselves in. Amen? Amen? You can't be popular with people and powerful with God. I'm telling you, it doesn't work that way. At some point, we need to decide, am I going to be a man pleaser or am I going to be a God pleaser? At some point, you have to get to the point where you say, obedience is better than the sacrifice that I'm making. The problem is we keep missing the major assignments and we try to make it up with some kind of a big sacrifice. We miss the assignment God gives we try to make it up with the sacrifice. We miss the assignment God gives and we try to make it up with the sacrifice. And that hamster wheel will absolutely wear you out because God is very clear in his word. He's not looking for the spectacular. He's looking for the simple obedience. Point three is found just a few chapters ahead. Second Samuel 1.7. Alexis, if you'd come. This is the account of Saul's death. 2 Samuel chapter 1, verse 7, if you want to flip over there and find that. I, I hope you ask a question when you read scriptures like that that I ask is why? 
God, why? Why would you want them wiped off the face of the earth? Why would you want this group of people utterly destroyed? Well, we're going to find out the answer right here. Second Samuel 1, 7. Now when he looked behind him, he saw me and called to me, and I answered, Here I am. And he said to me, Who are you? So I answered him, I am an Amalekite. He said to me again, Please stand over me and kill me, for anguish has come upon me, but my life still remains in me. So I stood over him and I killed him, because I was sure that he could not live after he had fallen. And I took the crown that was on his head and the bracelet that was on his arm and have brought them here to my Lord. Who killed, let me look back this way, who killed Saul? An Amalekite. Who did God want Saul to utterly destroy? An Amalekite. An Amalekite did not destroy Saul. Disobedience destroyed Saul. Point number three, what you fail to destroy will ultimately destroy you. Are you hearing me? What you fail to destroy that God has put his finger on in your life will ultimately come full circle. The reason that God would come to you continually and say, I want you to deal with this issue in your life, whatever it is. Maybe you're getting flirty with somebody at work and it's becoming an emotional attachment. Listen to me. Kill that thing. You made a covenant before God with your spouse. Maybe for some of you it's an addiction in your life and you just continually come back full circle and you keep grabbing a hold of that. And not just you. The book of Esther is about a man named Haman. Haman wanted to completely destroy. This is on down the road. So Saul is destroyed by what? God said, listen, I want you to go completely wipe this people group out. And spiritually speaking, God comes to us and we think, well, why do I have to cut off this relationship? God, I don't understand. God, why do, why do you not want me to go here? I don't understand. Listen, we need to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit because He is keeping you from something in the future that you don't even understand now. Because Haman was an Amalekite. He was of this group that was not completely and totally destroyed when God said destroyed it. When God calls on us to deal with some habit, some sin issue, relationship that's getting ready to burn us, it's not for His amusement. No. God has the luxury of seeing the beginning from the end. And He knows where our weak spots are. We all have blind spots, church. Amen? Amen. Did I come to the right place today? We all do. That's why we need accountability. That's why we do things like the young adults group. That's why we do Bible studies. That's why we do men's ministry. Because I can be with you and look at you and say, Hey man, I notice this little blind spot over here in your life and it's not done out of, it's not done out of a heart of wanting to see you fail. Just like God, it's done out of a heart of wanting to see you succeed in 2024. There's things that God just simply says, Hey, lay this down. Lay this aside. And we don't know why, and some of you have walked enough of life to finally come full circle and look back and say, God protected me by cutting those people out of my life. God protected me by moving me out of that church He moved me out of. God protected me by doing what He did in that season. Not to be hard on us at all, but so that we can live a blessed and fulfilled life. 
that God simply understands, and we all know this, those things in your life that you leave on life support will eventually rise up and become an issue later on. I would rather obey God and and destroy something in my life when it's like this rather than when it's like this. We allow it to grow if we allow whatever God's speaking to us to take root and grow in our lives. I would rather break it when it's breakable. Because church, the, 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 the chains of bondage can't be felt until they're too strong to be broken. And the obedience that God calls us to, we want this spectacular extra credit, pat on the back, look how great they're doing, look how spiritual... And listen, those things are wonderful. Those things that God would call you to sacrifice, those things God would call you to lay down as a sacrificial big thing, those things are great. But I'm just telling you from my heart to yours, I have had more growth just out of simply obeying God in the little things has called more growth in my life than anything else. Would you stand with me this morning? Because I don't want you to leave King Agag alive today. Amen? I don't want King Agag to be alive in my life. God was very clear. And interestingly enough, in the story I read ahead, King Agag was probably feeling really smug. He was probably feeling really, yeah, they they took me captive. I'm a POW. I live in luxury here in Israel. And they'll parade me out once a year to celebrate the victory over the Amalekites. And I'll go back into my life of being fed and housed in luxury. And probably my people somewhere, somehow, will come and break me out. And I'll go about marauding and destroying the Israelites again. And what we see there is it was actually Samuel. King Agag comes before Saul and is brought in, and he's probably feeling smug. I'm a captive. You see, don't become comfortable in your sin. You need to do what Samuel did to Agag, and it says he literally cut him to pieces. So, I mean, that's awfully dark and bloody for a Sunday morning. It's not. It's a spiritual analogy that what we fail to really deal with finality with will grow up and cause you problems down the road. You parents of teenagers, and I'm speaking from vast experience at this point with an 18 and a soon-to-be 16-year-old next week. I told you I'd warn you when she hits the roads. It's coming in a couple weeks, all right? Two Hanks, teenagers, on the road in Citrus County. So buckle up. Buckle up. But we know our kids better than anybody else because God has given us authority over them. And God has given us the, the, the love in our hearts, but also the ability to point out things in their life. And here's why we recognize them, because we recognize them in ourselves. Amen. We recognize those things. And God is a heavenly father. God is the one who's taking care of you. God is the one who is leading you and guiding you. Is the one that comes along and just by his love and his grace points out and says, hey, you need to destroy this before it gets full grown and destroys you. These are the blind spots. These are the areas in your life that you could possibly have trouble with. So bow your head and close your eyes. By way of just being completely honest today, heartfelt honestly, there's areas of your life where God has just called you to simple obedience and you haven't obeyed. Would you just shoot up your hand and be honest with God? We're going to kill Agag this morning. Amen. Amen, amen. Don't feel alone if you raised your hand because I got one up myself. And listen to me, there's, there's probably 30 or 40 people that want Agag to be destroyed this morning. And listen, here's how, it, here's how it happens. You repent 
you turn away from whatever it is that the Holy Spirit touched your heart and laid on your heart today. You turn away from that and listen, deal with finality. There may be some people, I'm speaking to somebody right now. There may be some people in your life that in the, in the very beginning, when you say, look, I just can't continue with this friendship or this relationship or whatever it is, it's causing me to stumble. There may be some hurt there, but listen to me, you need to obey God rather than worry about what people think. You need to obey God and then worry about what people think because God is doing you a favor. He's doing you a favor and me a favor by moving in by his Holy Spirit right now and convicting hearts. So everybody just put your hands out in front of you, everybody. Because I'm sure we all have something that we would like to say this morning. God, number one, Father, we want to be obedient to you in every way, in every form, in every fashion. Father, we want to obey you in your still small voice in our heart. Obey your word. So, Lord, I just pray grace, grace upon each and every heart, each and every person. That, God, for all of us, it's different than what you've shown us that may hold us back. It may come back, Lord, at some point to cause us problems down the road. Would you give a spirit of wisdom and revelation, open the eyes of our heart that we could identify what you are saying and moving and doing in order that we may live live lives that are pleasing to you, God? Father, for everybody that raised their hand, I pray as their pastor right now that those, those ties and chains would be broken in the name of Jesus Christ. Those things that have held us back, God, will become our greatest place of victory and our greatest place of ministry and our greatest place of growth. Lord, we say today we don't want to be disobedient. We don't want to feel like in ourselves we're prideful about what we think of a victory. But, Father, I pray for this congregation that you would help all of us just be simply obedient to what you've called us to obey and to hearken to the voice of the Lord to hear what your, your voice says to us continually, Father. I want to ask one more question before we change the order of the service. One more question. Maybe somebody here under the sound of my voice, and you've never begun that relationship with the Lord. You've never, you've never come to a place where you've repented from your sin. Ask Him to forgive you and place your trust and faith in Him for salvation because there is no other name under heaven by which we can be saved. No other name, no other God. Buddha's not your Savior. Muhammad's not your Savior. Jesus is the Savior of the world. And you have an opportunity to put your faith and trust in Him. I want to ask that question. Does anybody say this morning, Pastor, I need to pray and I need to get right with God. Is anybody in this room? I want to make sure everybody's right. Amen. 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 Let's pray this together. Heavenly Father, I come to you with an honest heart. I ask you today to forgive me of my sin. I turn away from it, and I turn to you. I ask you to wash me clean. I put my faith in you. You came, you died, and you rose again. I believe that you're Lord, and I believe that you're Savior. Save me today, Jesus. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Welcome to the family, those of you who prayed today. And uh, Miss Ann, would you just come stand right here?
And uh, Brother Frank, would you come stand down here? I know you're, you're completely t- taken off guard. We're going to pray for somebody that's going on a mission trip. And just wave your hand at the congregation. We have a prayer vigil going for our dear sister Lupita. And uh, I know most of the congregation knows her, but if you don't, she's a young lady, and I call her young. She's younger than me, so everybody's younger than me is young. And uh, she's battling cancer. So we have a 24-hour prayer vigil going. So if anybody would like to take part in that, we're going to cover our sister in 24-7 prayer. Amen? See Miss Ann if you'd like to join that. But, Frank, I brought you up here because, Brooke Ritchie, why don't you and your family come up here? And uh, this is one of our young people, Brooke, and we are so excited that God is sending her on a medical mission trip. And we want her to be covered today. Come, come up here, guys. Come up here. We're going to pray for her. Amen. Isn't this exciting to God, what God's doing? And uh, she's going to the mission field, and uh, she's going to serve people. And she's going to do the spectacular because Jesus told her to. Amen. Amen. We want her to go with the blessing and protection and covering of the Lord. Frank, why don't you come up here with me? Frank is our one of our leaders who heads up our missions department, so I want him to come too. Stretch out your hands this way and let's bless Brooke. Father, this is one of your young warriors. This is one of your young women of God. We pray today, Father, that you would fill her to overflowing with the precious anointing of the Holy Spirit. Lord, as this church and her family cover her, we commit today that we will continue to lift her up when she goes on this trip. That, Father, every place that she puts her foot down is already blessed. It's already called blessed because, Brooke, you have the blessings of God in and over your life. You need to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit when you're on this trip because the Lord is actually taking you and he's putting you in a place where, yes, it may be hot, it may be, it may be difficult, it may be noisy, it may seem chaotic, but the Lord is going to reveal his voice to you in a very special way. When you go on this trip, you're going to be separated from your family and with a team. But the Lord says he will guard you. He will go before you. He will be your rear guard. Under the shadow of his wings, you will dwell, Brooke, because God is going to grow you more in a weak mission trip than what you've grown up until this point in your life. Because you have decided to be obedient to his voice. You have decided to step out of the boat in faith. So, Father, we pray today that you would surround her with your holy angels. You would guard her and keep her until she's brought back at your appointed time. Father, bless her family while she's gone. May you give peace to Mama and peace to her father, peace to her whole entire brothers and sisters and family, that, Lord, she is walking in your will. And, God, we just say today to you, Father, when it comes to the kingdom, risk is right. Because, Lord, there's a world out there that needs to be touched and needs to be ministered to with the gospel. So, Brooke, today I call you a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ by word and by deed. Those things that you do will not only have an impact, but the smile on your face and the love in your heart will be poured out towards these people. And you will see much fruit, not just in the lives of the people, but you're going to see fruit in your own life. And there will be an awakening of what the kingdom of God is all about. I believe it, and I prophesied over you in Jesus' name this morning. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord, church. Go in the name of the Lord and be blessed. Have a wonderful Sunday, and uh, go Bucks.